This. This is, this is Diversified, Diversified Game. 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 A podcast giving entrepreneurial advice from a diverse and inclusive perspective with Kelly. He may agree, he may oppose, and it's more than just race, it's about, you know, ideas. And AL. Focus more on execution and application and less on excuses. So, let the game begin. Hey, it's Kellen. And of course, AL. And today, you guys, we're going to educate you as always. But this educator, there's no one out there like it because you might see her on the show going from broke where she's helping the majority of Americans, it seems, get out of debt, cutting up their cards, working on their student loans. But this young lady, this millennial, she started writing poems about money when she was six years old. So we definitely know she was thinking money before the mimosas, which money and mimosa is her show, her podcast that you can check out. But everybody, welcome Denitha Doe to the show. Thank you so much for having me, Kellen and AL. And thanks so much for doing your research. That You did some digging to find that out about me writing poems at the age of six. I'm just a little bit of a stalker. Um, so yeah, I, I was trained by the best to be able to look into people's business. So I didn't want to talk about, you know, how the internet in one little cutoff of the blog says she's worth over $1 billion because I didn't read the full blog and I didn't want to start a nasty rumor where all your family and friends are then asking you for a loan. But that may be true, people. So you have to check her out on DenithaDoe.com. Description is in, in the, the link is in the description box. That is so funny. It's funny. I had a friend Google me one day and she said that that article popped up and I was like, oh my gosh, clearly you didn't read the entire article. But who knows? <laughs> who knows? That's so true. I love that. When you're popping out of airplanes and you're running around with people who are like worth multi-million dollars, yeah you know, hundreds of millions and billionaires, it might be true. <laughs> you never know. Yes. But what we, what we know is that the Wall Street Journal has said you are a financial expert. Um, and I want just to kind of like you give a little background on that part of your life. And we're going to go deeper into your life. So that's just the first part. Absolutely. Yes. And thanks again for having me on. So I, as you mentioned, I started writing about money when I was a really young child. And I always knew that I wanted to be an entrepreneur. And so after college, I started a business. And that business was helping small business owners manage their bookkeeping. I had a background in accounting. That's what I studied in school. I, I studied economics, but also focused in accounting. And I thought, well, I want to start a business. I have the skill accounting. Let me help other businesses with their finances. I focus on the beauty and fashion space because I, I love beauty and fashion. And it was also a niche that other accountants weren't focused on. So there wasn't a lot of uh, competition. And so I built a business doing that. And through working with my clients, they I have to give them all the credit in terms of where I'm at today because... I started off doing bookkeeping and accounting, but through working with them, I discovered the psychology of money, how our mindset and our behaviors around money are really what drives our results, not so much the tactical 
information that a lot of us may or may not know, but it's really our behaviors and psychology around it. And, and through better understanding the psychology of money, I grew a business writing about finances, whether it was how to save, how to invest, but then also working on your behaviors around money. And that has led to what I'm doing today, which is money and mimosas. I write uh, an article every day. So seven days a week, we have a new article about finances on moneyandmimosas.com. And, and then through that website, I was uh, presented with the opportunity to be on the reality show, Going From Broke, working with folks around their finances. Awesome, awesome, awesome. I'm going to jump in. Um, just to uh, get some clarity on money and mimosas, uh, what was the inspiration behind that? Um, talk a little bit about the, the blog. I understand that you're doing live events. Uh, what, what's going on in, in that space? Thank you so much for that question. I, I did skip over a part of my background when starting my business. Money and Mimosas really started out of a strong yearning of mine to create life on my own terms. I was in a pretty tough transition in terms of maybe both of you can relate to this where things may be going okay in your life on the surface, but just something inside doesn't feel right. And, and that's where I was just before starting Money and Mimosas. I had a job, a great job working for a great company, but I just yearned to be more creative. I just wanted to write. I wanted to be able to take yoga at noon on a Thursday. I just wanted to have control over my freedom and something as simple as being take, taking a yoga class at noon. That's all I wanted. And so that's where Money and Mimosas, that's how it was born. I took myself out on mimosa dates where I would go to a fancy restaurant, not necessarily expensive, but a nice looking restaurant and just expose myself to beauty, abundance. And, and I would treat myself to a cocktail and just write out my feelings. What did I want to create? What did I really want my life to look like? And that's where this, where Money and Mimosas was born, was me doing some deep reflection and trying to figure out what I wanted out of my life. Solid, solid, solid. Now, how are you liking the, uh, the progress and the, the growth of, of the blog? Um, how is your audience uh, responding to uh, the information that you share with them on a regular basis? Yes, so Money Mimosa started about six years ago as it was a simple weekly email that I would send out called Money and Mimosas. And it was my reflections for the week and a money tip. And, and my audience has grown with me. It's now, uh, that was a weekly email that I was sending. Now it's a website where there's new content every day. Uh, we now have tens of thousands of readers in 47 countries. And, and we also do live events, as you mentioned, AL, we do live events, mostly in the Bay Area. Sometimes I do travel and speak as well, but our events in the Bay Area are all about creating abundance on your own terms. So it can be real estate investing, it can be money mindset, it can be um, how to talk to your partner about money, especially if you have different upbringings around finances. And, and I'm really, I feel really blessed with where I'm at today. I feel at peace which was something that I didn't know I was yearning for when I first started Money and Mimosas. But um, through this journey, I've really discovered what my own center is and, and um, creating a life that revolves around that. 
that's super fly. That that's literally like a whole vibe. Like New York City needs that. We we need that energy on this side. Where in New York are you, Al? I'm I'm actually in um in Manhattan. Uh, when I first came to New York, um, got my my set my my footsteps in the Bronx. Went from the Bronx to Brooklyn. Now I'm in uh, in Manhattan. Oh, very cool. I my family is from well, my mom's from Jamaica. My dad's from Liberia. My parents met in Brooklyn, and I was born in Jersey. I spent quite really? a bit of time on the East Coast. Yes, yes. We're both in Jersey. I'm I'm originally from New Jersey. Okay, so I was born in Plainfield, and okay. um, and then spent some time in Scotch Plains as a young kid. Well, okay, okay, okay. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah, we used to compete against Plainfield a, a lot um, when I ran track, track and field. Oh my gosh, I'm a track runner too. Well, former in another life. Yeah, former, yeah, former. <laughs> That's so awesome. We have so much in common. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah, we'll we'll build we'll build on that. But this this is all. This is this is this is your time. We'll be building on you. You know, we'll we'll get to that for sure, for sure. Um, a question that I was uh, wanted to ask and was very curious about. Um, at the time you spent cheerleading and then kind of transitioning uh, to more, you know, finance, fi- financial literacy, uh, financial cognizance. Uh, take take our listeners, our viewers uh, through that through that process, please. Definitely. So I was an NFL cheerleader for the Indianapolis Colts for two seasons. Indiana. I grew up in a lot of different places. I went, but I went to high school and college in Indiana. So that's how I ended up auditioning for the Colts cheerleading squad and made it. Which is interesting because I I don't have a dance background. I did not grow up taking dance classes. I am not a trained dancer. I saw the cheerleaders on TV. It was the year that the Colts beat the Bears. Sorry to any Chicago Bears fans. Um, They beat them in the Super Bowl. And I saw the cheerleaders and thought, oh my gosh, they look like they're having so much fun. They're so pretty. I would love to audition, not thinking that I would ever make it. And I showed up to the auditions and it was a six week process. Each week they cut, yes, 330 women showed up for the auditions. And each week they would cut the participants until they got to, I think that year they took 27 women. And and I kept making it each week. And it was the, I mean, I love my life now. That time of my life was also a lot of fun. I had so many awesome friendships and I was learning how to dance and of course performing on the field was incredible as well and and I like to say that that experience as an NFL trailer especially the audition process is a lot like being an entrepreneur and building financial freedom because I didn't have any experience as a dancer but I put myself out there which is what you and I do every single day in terms of building our brand building our businesses because we don't have a blueprint. This isn't something that you can just read a book and check off the list. You actually have to put yourself out there and trust that the next step you take is going to be the best step that you take. And if it's not, you trust yourself enough to know that you'll be able to, to recover, pivot if you need to. And that was what the audition process was like for me. And that really helped me I didn't know it at the time, but that really helped prepare me to be an entrepreneur because every day we're putting our necks out there for criticism, for negative feedback, for people like unsolicited opinions. And you just have to trust that you know what you're doing, listen to that inner voice, cultivate that relationship with your inner voice 
and, and continue to, to follow that path. Now, when you were going for cheerleading and your background, I mean, your degree is in economics, you have a minor in Spanish and mass communication. When you were doing the cheerleading, did you get any pushback from the haters saying, you're not just a pretty girl, you are a smart girl. You don't have to do what those, you know, bimbos on the, the field are doing. You don't have to do that because you have the brains. Did you get any pushback? And if you did, how did you fight through that? Because as a creative, I find a lot of people, AL, AL and I are consultants and PR folks and marketers. We see that people are fighting like inside themselves that they want to create something, but they don't have the support. So did you have support or were people hating on you? It's interesting. That is definitely a misconception of cheerleaders, not just cheerleaders, dancers, sometimes artists, that they're superficial, that they only care. I was just today watching a recap of the Golden Globes, for instance, and I was watching what the fashion, what are the, just the, the recap of everyone's attire and, and listening to the designers talk about what inspired them for these clothes. And sometimes people may think, well, that's so superficial. We have a possible impending war. Why aren't you thinking about that as opposed to what people are wearing? And it, it's all part of living a well-designed, rich life. We have to have all of those pieces. And, and the misconception around cheerleaders is that, yeah, all we care about is how we look or, or how we look, <laughs> basically. And, and that wasn't the case all of the women on the squad were either full-time moms or they had some of the women had phds some of them were chemical engineers um, some were teachers i had just graduated from college everyone had a well-rounded life and and our jobs yes we were dancers but we were also ambassadors for a multi-billion dollar organization so we would go to events and we have to mingle with various people from all different walks of life. It could be a five-year-old who wants to get your autograph and they look up to you because they want to be, they're doing cheer at their school and they want to be like you when they grow up to someone who runs Eli Lilly, which is this huge pharmaceutical company based in Indianapolis. And we'd have to be able to have a conversation with all different kinds of people. And so um, that is a misconception about dancers and cheerleaders that we, we don't have brains. Many of us do. And it takes a lot of brains. I mean, you both know from PR and marketing to understand how to brand yourself and um, how to visually represent yourself. Um, as far as support, you know, thankfully, thankfully, I had a lot of support. My family has always, my parents in particular, have always been they set the intention, I learned later in life, that they set the intention that they wanted their children, their three of us, to be independent thinkers. And they have always supported us in whatever direction we've wanted to take. And as I've gotten older, I've, um, I have so much respect for that decision of theirs because it really gave me the confidence that I needed to go out there in the world. Um, for those, though, that may not have the support that you need um, and it is important to surround yourself with people that are like-minded or at least are open to seeing your vision and supporting you. It may be worth reassessing who's in your circle. I have over the years cold my inner circle, so let go of some people because 
they just they were cramping my style <laughs> to put it to put it uh lightly and um but yeah if, if you're in a place where it, that isn't an easy thing to do so um i would say watch youtube videos like this i listen to a lot of podcasts i have a lot of mentors that i've never met in person i just listen to them on interviews take notes pretend that they're my friends and um and you can cultivate that type of circle to really boost yourself up if you have some sort of spiritual practice that's not everyone's thing but that could be something that gives you um a sense of uh deepens your resolve um or you know just journaling that's something that um really helped me with boosting my own confidence was writing out my thoughts and getting to know myself better okay awesome awesome go ahead Ayo. all all gyms right there all gyms <laughs> uh so i would like to ask uh you know what was the and i guess re- recently what, what's the most intriguing interview i know you mentioned you have a lot of a lot of mentors uh out there that that you uh, that are that inspire you uh what was the last um interview that you know what like i really like what this person is saying or this person has uh given me some takeaways that i wasn't necessarily uh, privy to that i now can adopt them into my lifestyle yes i love watching and listening to interviews i could do that honestly all day long i think there's so much wisdom in conversation and i'm so grateful for platforms like youtube and podcasts it seems silly but that wasn't a thing when i was growing up to have access to this and so it's so nice one person that i'm stalking to take Ken- kellen's term um or really getting to know a little bit better is mariah carey i've always been a fan of hers always 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 however the last this last year i my respect for her has just deepened she's done i mean she just did a ton of interviews to promote her Christmas album, her famous Christmas song that's finally getting the huge recognition it should have gotten and she did an interview and I'm blanking on the the gentleman's name who hosted the interview but I can send the link to you both later. It's an hour long interview it was done in New York where she's originally from and she talks about how she was able to build longevity in her career and that's where I'm at right now in terms of what i my vision for my career is really leaving a lasting legacy i'm not here to um being famous is great i see it as a tool there was a time in my life where that was all i was going for and now it's about really creating a body of work that i can be proud of and she really spoke to that how she was the first from my understanding and what she said the first r&b artist to bring hip hop artists on her album and that move was something that we now think oh well of course that makes total sense because all artists do that these days but back in the early 90s mid 90s that was not a that was a move that wasn't that was frowned upon by the major labels and she took a risk and the reason why she took that risk was solely because she loved the music she really took action based upon what she loved and that was my biggest takeaway from that particular interview and a number of interviews that I listened of hers was she just tuned into what she liked and in order to do that though she really had to know herself and to trust herself so there there was a process to her getting to that place where she felt comfortable taking those steps 
But at the end of the day, it was just listening to her heart and following that. And, and that's what I'm trying to embody this year. Well, that means you might have some goon in you like her, because that's why she had ODB in them, because she would, you know, the rappers tell these stories now and how she was really hanging out with the rappers and that she has some goon, some thug in her. So um, we, we might see you, you know, could we see you with an album? I mean, you have a perfect name either for ministry or music. Um, so, you know, it's like the Creflo Dollar uh, thing. Like, did she create that name or, you know, was it uh, blessed upon her before her and her family? But, um, but yeah, t- talk about, talk about, um, you know, the Mariah Carey, since you're talking about Mariah Carey, do you see yourself being that like nice angel in the spotlight, but behind the scenes, like you are maybe hanging around the least of these, whether it's for, you know, you like just kicking back at the speakeasy, which there's not really one of those in the Bay Area, but talk, talk about your, your personal, you know, when you do kick back, where can we find you? I am, that's so funny. Mariah Carey is definitely a thug. I mean, that comes out in her interviews. You could see that. She, uh, for me, I am, how would I describe myself? I'm super chill. I mean, I love, I love the finer things in life. I love elegance. I love luxury. I definitely love to be surrounded by beauty. And at the same time, I think I'm also pretty laid back. So you would find me, I'm probably similar. Mariah Carey, <laughs> Mariah Carey likes that all the time from what I can gather from her interviews. I don't know her personally. I would say from interviews, who I'm most like is probably Alia. She was someone that didn't go out that much at night. I'm I'm a lot like that. I love I love day parties. I love brunch. I love um, hanging out with friends while the sun's out. And then once nighttime comes, I'm at home with a fire. If it's the winter time like it is now with my fiance, either reading a book watching a movie. We love to talk about what's going on in, uh, in the world together. That, that's really who I am. I'm a, I'm a chill, just laid back, put on my sweats type of person at home at night. I'm jumping in. I'm jumping in. Definitely jumping in. <laughs> uh, so I, with everything that you have going on, um, you know, home life, family life, uh, how, how do you balance everything? Yes, I it's interesting. I was just meditating on that this morning. I balance is a word that hasn't ever resonated with me. And this morning, the word came to me that I am about center. I just want to be centered. And things can there can be a hurricane going on literally or figuratively. And I just want to find the stillness within myself. And how I do that there, I have a a lot of tools in my tool chest, if you will. I've done years of therapy. I continue to do that. I do a lot of energy healing. And uh, depending upon what I need that day, that's what I'll pull out. So my mornings are pretty ritualized. I found for myself that having the same things, doing the same things every morning is what I need to step into the day with grace and ease and, and a clear head. So that for me is going to the gym. I drink lemon water first thing in the morning, and then I do a short yoga session at home, 
before I start my day. Um, the other things that I'll do sometimes at night, it means drinking a couple of glasses of wine or a Manhattan if the day calls for that. Um, it's, uh, yeah, it really depends. Sometimes it, it's meditating. Uh, sometimes it's seeing my energy healer, but that, that's how I find my center um, with everything that I have going on or, or just, you know, things, things can come up even if there's not a lot happening that can kind of throw you off kilter. So I pull out the different tools I need depending upon the day. I dig that. I dig that. Now, in terms of uh, energy healing, um, is, that, is that crystals? Or is that sage? Is that uh, Reiki? Uh, mm -hmm. th those sort of things? Yeah, so it depends. I, I do have sage. I do have incense. I do have crystals. I, I'm also uh, very much into African spirituality, which doesn't use necessarily those tools. So I'll work with my ancestors. I have a shrine. My ancestors, meaning uh, family members that have passed on that I connect with. Um, and yeah, so I have a process around that type of connection. Um, and that, that's also within the last year has been a huge priority of mine to reconnect with my actual roots. Nothing wrong with other forms of healing or wellness, but this past year, meaning 2019, I realized that a lot of that was Western practices that I was using, um, white practices <laughs> to be frank. And, um, and while they're great, uh, they, it was almost like I described this to my friend as that it was as if I had a piece of paper in front of me and I was given a crayon to write with when I really needed a pen. And the pen for me is the African spirituality like that when I discovered and I'm continuing to discover what that means for myself, like that's when things really gelled internally. Have you? The question is now. I don't. I don't know. You. You don't know this because we. We've just met. Want to let that be known for the people. But you are talking. You know how they say, uh, Mister Three Hundred Five. You're talking to Mister Africa now. I. We. We just brought a client, an influencer, back uh, about two months ago, and we brought thirty people from the United States, Black Americans, um, and we did have one uh, Mazungu come, and he was more than welcome to come. Um, because he didn't even know what he was coming to, but we went to Kenya and lives were changed. We now have three more tours and we're doing that with influencers. So my question to you is, have you been, since you have that Liberian um, background, have you been back home? Oh my gosh. We definitely have to talk more about that telling because I want to hear about this trip. I, and trips that you have planned. I have not been to the continent of Africa. So I know, I know. And also interesting, uh, or you probably already know this, Liberia was formed by freed slaves. And so I wasn't, I, I keep asking my dad, who is from Liberia, where did our family come before that? And he refuses <laughs> to acknowledge the fact that we were once slaves, which is interesting. Um, so I did find out that I am from Ghana originally, um, which makes a lot of sense. That's where most slaves were uh, deported, if you will, stolen from. So um, mm. I have not been to the continent, and that is my dream. It has to happen soon. Oh, 
so there may we're gonna talk and we'll, we'll we'll talk you know after we say cut we'll we'll talk because that has to happen and to be able you know when that happened I, it didn't hit me until people started telling their testimonies and you hear 30 testimonies of people who wanted to come in the various reasons but africa is so wide open for all of us and they need a financial expert and we've even had guest al um rodney he was from australia but background in ghana he does um forex he's never gone back to australia because he's made so much money, not to say it's billions of dollars, but he's like, I've made enough where I can live here. And you've definitely, says the internet, made enough where you can build and create something. So we'll definitely talk more about that. I could go on and on, but I just wanted to throw that seed to say we have a conversation after the conversation, because as we see, this nation is crazy. You do TV. And I thank you for being so bold and honest to talk about the African spirituality because most PR folks would tell you, don't mention that. That's crazy. Um, you know, don't, people won't get it. Even black people won't get it. And they'll say, you know, you're part of this voodoo thing. I get stuff only from black folk for my love locks. And they say, how do you run businesses with, and I'm like, it's just hair. And I said, if you read your scriptures, <laughs> some of those folks had power in their hair, but they told you to cut yours. Whole nother conversation. But I love the honesty. So thank you. Absolutely. Well, I just want to highlight, too, that while there may be wisdom that I can share with those in on the continent of Africa, there is a lot, and I, I know this in my bones to be true, there's a lot of wisdom that needs to be brought from Kenya, from Ghana, Ghana, from other countries back to the States in terms of their approach to money. I talk a lot about scarcity versus abundant mindset. Mm -hmm. And the abundant mindset is, or the scarcity mindset is something that plagues West, the Western world, particularly the United States. And there are a lot of practices that I've only read because I haven't been to Africa um, that need to be infused within our culture, within our economic system, in order for everyone to be prosperous. So I am, I'm so ready to be a student <laughs> when I go over to Africa because there's so much wisdom that, that needs to be brought over. And that's the best way to go anywhere you go. I mean, even when you come to, you know, the Bay Area, you, you, you learn the game. Um, have you been to Jamaica? And if you have, AL's going to have, because he, he just did a trip to Jamaica not too long ago. But have you been to Jamaica since that's the other half? I have been to Jamaica. And I still, I guess I still have, I do have family in Liberia. I still do have family in Jamaica um, my uncle is still there. My mom's brother, he has a church there and I have several cousins. Um, yeah, I love Jamaica. When did you go, Ayal? Uh, this probably, let's see. Oh, maybe this about been about like three years. Absolutely loved it. Jamaica felt like home. Like the, the moment I set foot on Jamaica grounds, like it just felt amazing. Um, I had the opportunity to spend some time in August town, spend time in the grill um yeah like it wasn't as a tourist it was like as a as somebody that lives in jamaica you know that's the way to go it always surprised me when people stay at those all-inclusive resorts for their whole stay right like, you, you didn't see the country Absolutely. Um, that's awesome that you're able to do that where are you from i, I hear a, a little accent oh no i'm i'm but 
uh, born in New Jersey. Um, like my, my folks, uh, they're from New Jersey, like some of the family, Ohio, like North Carolina, Virginia, that sort of thing. But yeah, born and raised here. Okay. Uh, I heard a little bit of a Caribbean accent, so I wasn't sure. Maybe it's because you were just feeling the home vibes from Jamaica. Oh, per- oh perhaps, perhaps. Well, you know, <laughs> you know what it is too, like, because I, I don't necessarily, I don't consider it travel, but I'm just around so many different cultures, um, a lot. Um, uh, I live in the Heights, so it's a highly uh, Dominican influence uh, background. Living in Brooklyn, you know, a lot of West Indian, well, a lot of West Indian folks, and just being able to, um, please excuse the the ding in the background. No. Um, be, just being able to move around just different cultures has has not only like expanded my mind, but uh, expanded uh, being able to network and food and books and just conversation is just overall all enriching. Oh, that's so lovely. That's what New York is great for. Amazing, amazing food and just a fusion of cultures. Yes, 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 yes. And the jury is still out on him um, because we can't, we don't have any history of him prior to 98. So I'm thinking like, you know, he might be NSA or something like that. So it's the jury's still out. He, He hasn't told even me the, the full, you know, background, um, and I told you, I'm paid to, you know, stalk and search. So, that's- well, you, Kelly, you do know, you want to know something very interesting. What, when I did go to Jamaica, something that really took me aback uh, is that um, I had the opportunity to stay with Sizzler on his, um, on his property and um, I had the opportunity to meet his family. And I kid you not, his sister is a spitting image of my aunt that you would think that they were, they're twins. Like I showed, uh, his sister, a uh, picture of my aunt, and she was, she literally, she grabbed her chest. She's like, that's, she's like, that's me. That looks like me. Wow. That's amazing. Wow. Yeah, that, that, that's beautiful. Beautiful. So in, in Jamaica, do you um, expand? Because that whole vibe of what you said, and I can think of the Chris Rock joke, because my wife and I said it, 10 years ago when we would go to Jamaica because it was easy and cheap, right? And she's from Cameroon and we couldn't get to Africa, just, you know, life, whatever. But do you go and set up business in Jamaica? Because outside of the Palladium, which is, you know, one of those beautiful stays and these beautiful resorts, there is a lot of um, growth in um, business. Uh, and I know that it's been colonized, but is there any, have you found yourself to be useful for the uh, community, the real community in Jamaica with all your knowledge and experience? I haven't, to be honest, I haven't explored business opportunities in Jamaica. I, yeah, I'm really focused on the Bay Area. Uh, but yeah, I'm sure there's definitely opportunities there, whether it's teaching entrepreneurship. One of my good friends is Jamaican and Guyanese, and she does a, she and her mom do an annual trip to Jamaica, and they're thinking of putting together an entrepreneurship uh, conference um, for the youth, which is something that I'm really passionate about. That was one of my first introductions to entrepreneurship, was an eighth grade class that I took. So that would be something I'd be really really stoked on doing uh, we, again that's another thing we'll, we'll talk about I, I i love i love jamaica um it but it gives you such a vibe like some places in africa so it, it's just it's it's a beautiful place where you know you just can connect 
whatnot. But but no business yet. And you know the resorts would love to say, former NFL cheerleader is staying with us or is our ambassador. You can see it already. They have the whole cutout of you. And people <laughs> can take pictures of you even if you're not there. So, you know, we're talking about licensing the image. And instead of being in the uh, cult uh, outfit, you have your own, you know, thing. And it say financial or something. Something, you know, that you can you can live with hundreds of people thirsting over your um <laughs> your image i love the way your mind works yes yeah, so many opportunities yeah you, you could you imagine and i tell people this on the entrepreneur could you imagine me working at your office i've tried but this type of brain is not welcomed at an office because you got ideas and you actually can implement them like all those things we could do um but on your journey to entrepreneurship was it that you had many jobs and then said, wait, hold on, this isn't working out for me? Or were you one of the lucky few that after the NFL, all of TV said, wait, you have a brain, you do this, that, we see you online, and then they just gave you, you know, Ashton Kutcher himself came and said, hey, I'd like you on this show that I'm producing. How, does, how do you go from NFL then to being on TV and an entrepreneur? Wow, there were so many twists and turns in my journey. I think most entrepreneurs have that path. It was definitely not an overnight success, or if it was, it was 10 years in the making. I think that's what they say is what a real overnight success was. For me, after, after cheering, I actually went through a pretty tough period. So that was around 2009, which was a tough time economically for everyone. For me, I couldn't find a job. So I had this degree. And I was overqualified because I had this degree. People knew that they had to pay me more money. You know, after you graduate from college, that's the understanding. So I wasn't getting hired. I also wasn't getting hired because I didn't have any experience though. So I was looking for jobs in accounting, but here I am with this piece of paper and no practical experience and no company um, was going to hire me. And so I ended up going on a site called funjobs.com, which is no longer in existence, which is so sad because it saved my life. I found a job on funjobs.com working at the Grand Canyon. I found a job where I would be a hostess at a restaurant at the Grand Canyon, and it was like eight bucks an hour, but they paid, they covered my housing and they covered my meals. And I thought, okay, this, at least someone's willing to hire me. And I moved to the Grand Canyon and this was looking back on it. It was a really tough time. I honestly felt like a failure because I had worked so hard to get this degree. I had all this drive and ambition and had nowhere to put it. And, and I felt like I was the failure because no one was hiring me. But looking back on it, moving to the Grand Canyon was my introduction to how beautiful it was to be in nature and how I really didn't need that much to be happy. If I could be outside um, see beautiful, breathtaking views and, and just have freedom in terms of how I spent my day. That's really all I need. I, there's certainly, I love, as I mentioned, luxury and beautiful spaces, but that period of my life, I realized I don't need much more than this to be okay. And so I lived in the Grand Canyon 
that was a seasonal gig that ended. And then I got another seasonal gig working at a ski resort. And I had never been to a ski resort before. I, I mean, I'm Jamaican and Liberian. We don't really do those things. I mean, that's a stereotype not to make anyone upset if they do do those things. My family did not. And uh, the snow was not really where we would find our fun. And so I moved to the ski resort excited because I had never been exposed to something like this before. And, and it was a similar deal. I got a job working at a hotel lobby in, or a condo hotel. And then while working at that job, a position in the accounting department opened up. And so I thought, finally, I can use my degree. I can get some practical skills underneath my belt. I got the job, um, which came with benefits. It was the first time I was really making consistent, good income where I could pay for a nice apartment. I had health insurance. I really felt like I was becoming an adult, um, at least you know what society tells you being an adult is. And so um, from there, that's when I really started better understanding the world of accounting and finance. And um, I lived there for a few years. That's where I met my fiance. We decided that um, while we love Mammoth, it's a really small town. It's like two hours away from the biggest, from a target, from the biggest city. So we moved to the Bay Area, and once I moved to the Bay Area, my entrepreneurial bug was, bit, again, I mean, I knew I wanted to be an entrepreneur from a really young age. I had asked my parents for business cards at the age of eight. Like, they, I had known I wanted to be a business owner, but I didn't know what. And once I moved to the Bay Area, I thought, this is it. I've got actual accounting experience. I've got a degree. I can meet all of these awesome business owners because even if someone doesn't own a business full time, they've got some sort of side hustle that they need help with. And, and that's how my path to entrepreneurship started. And, and for anyone that's listening that, I mean, maybe you both can speak to this too. Once I started the business, it wasn't smooth sailing after that to answer your question, Kellen. This, was, this has not been an easy ride. It's been a lot of bumps, a lot of learning. Um, but it's all helped me figure out, uh, it's all tools along the way to help you, to help me figure out the next step. And then when, oh, Al, I'm sorry. Um, if you can just, when then does it go to TV and you're an expert because, you know, that's a big thing. I mean, me, my, my, my wife, my girls, we watch you. And it's always my wife that sends me the, the beautiful women who are smart. And she's like, she needs to be on your show. And I say, thank you. Because a lot of people say, Kellen, you always have these beautiful women. So you got to blame Dr. Tina, who's an influencer of herself, because she points me to that right direction when I'm half, you know, like this. So how does it go from, you know, Grand Canyon, eight bucks an hour, ski resort, and then you just jump to TV and you're like giving advice and having, you know, over a billion dollars rumored? <laughs> well, thank you, Dr. Tina, for introducing me to this opportunity. I... So, wow, how did I get to TV? Well, I started my business, really started in 2013. 2014 is when I uh, officially launched Money Mimosas. So I did that show in 2018. So there was a period of four years of me building a clientele base, learning about finances on my own. One of the, I think, misconceptions about money experts or anyone in the financial space is that we have it all figured out financially as we're offering advice. And that is not the case, which 
it's also, uh, for me, it was a lesson around how to manage imposter syndrome. Because while I have, I, I have information, I have some wisdom, and I had less of it then. And when I had less of it then, I still had to present myself as a professional. And so there was a whole learning and continues to be a learning of how to manage imposter syndrome, how to build and boost my confidence, how to be okay with being a black woman in a space that's predominantly driven by white males. And there are, I live in the Bay Area, which is incredibly diverse and forward thinking, but I would go to events where I was not at all respected. Nothing rude was said to me, but certainly my opinion wasn't considered valid. Um, and so I had to work through that and really build up my own inner strength in terms of, yes, Denise, you've got a lot to learn and you also have a lot to give. You have a lot of wisdom to share. And so that was about, I was doing that for about four years before the show um, presented itself. And it was magic. I think a lot of this is magic. I believe in magic. And so that's how I choose to see life. And I, a friend who I've never met before, we connected in a Facebook group. She sent me a tweet, a direct message on Twitter. She said, hey, I'm living in LA. She's a life coach. I live in LA. And I saw this uh, posting for a millennial money expert. And I think you would be perfect for it. And I saw it and I thought, okay, I, I'm someone like back to NFL cheerleading. Like, I'll just go for it. I don't care if I don't have all the experience needed. If it feels good inside, I'm going to go for it. And, and I didn't have all the experience for this. They wanted a reel. I didn't even know what a reel was. They wanted acting experience. They wanted all these things. And I thought, you know what? I'm just going to send them my website. I'm going to do a short little video, like a 30-second video saying hi. And, um, and I sent it over. And then, of course, mimosas were involved. I was out. I was on a tour, a speaking tour, with, and my fiancé had come along with me. We were out after I had done a talk getting mimosas. I was drinking mimosas. He was having beer. And the casting agent called me right after I sent that. I sent it that morning. He called me and said, I love what you sent over. I just want to ask you a few questions. And, and the rest is history after that. I went through a series of interviews. I flew out to LA to meet the producers and, and they casted me for the role despite not having all the experience. And so that's how that opportunity came about. Wow, that's an amazing story. Amazing, amazing. So here's the uh, here's the $25 million question. Uh, are, are there any plans, uh, you know, with you being the, uh, the star of your own show? Oh my goodness, $25 million. That sounds nice. Uh, perhaps, we'll see. I have lots of ideas, lots of topics that I want to tackle. So I hope that there are more um, shows in my future. With going from broke, we focused a lot on the student loan debt. I think that that conversation can, needs to continue to happen, especially with the upcoming election. I would love to talk, um, have a deeper conversation around the wealth inequality within this country. Um, there's a lot of information that I feel that I know I can share, and I want, I would love to have a show that embodies all that. And I'm also, I love the lighthearted side of money as well, whether it's celebrity business topics, you know, what are, what are the trends within celebrity business? I love, I love those types of topics. So we'll see, hopefully there's a show in the works in the future for me. Well, I think, I think 
uh, IMBD had rumored of something new in 2019, but in the world of TV, I don't want to speak on it if it's not already, you know, action ready to plan. Um, TV is a big thing to us. This year, I get to go to the uh, NATPE in Miami, which all of TV, Mr. Netflix, Mrs. Hulu, all of them show up, and it's going to be a great thing this month and hope to see everybody there because that's where deals get, you know, um, gathered. And I don't know if you're going or if any of, you know, if you've been invited to any of the special private events that I don't even know about since you're already on TV. Are you familiar? I'm not familiar with NATPE. What, what I'll, is that? Well, I'll send it. You'll, you'll have the information. We're, we're oh, you know, cool. we're, 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 we're connected on LinkedIn. So that conversation after we don't like just to get the game. We like to give it because it's something where it's not even too late where you may jump on it. Um, and you know, and we could see it. And just so the audience knows, this is a young woman who's on TV giving real advice. She's not doing the Cardi B and no disrespect to Cardi, but she's not extra. She's just how she is now. And that was the, uh, uh, an attraction for me because you don't have to be extra. I don't like when everyone looks the same and talks the same and a lot of TV, it's just, you know, especially with black women. Oh man, you were supposed to have been fought uh, episodes ago when that guy from Australia kicked you guys out of his house um, and he wasn't doing the work. I don't know if you even remember him. He was totally extra himself. And Daniel. He, he did, Daniel. And he's, he's lying. And I'm like, Dan, your co-host. I'm like, he is so calm. And I said, I know she wants to say something, but she doesn't want to come off like that woman. So she's going to tame her tongue. But yeah, talk about, um, did the producers ever try to push you or Dan to be more confrontational or is it the reverse side? My personality is very chill. It takes a lot for me to, my fiance may disagree. I'll give him that, but... <laughs> Other than him, <laughs> it takes a lot for me to, to get worked up. I, and that was actually something that the producers worked with me on, just because when it comes to TV, there is an element of entertainment. There is an element that, uh, of extraness, if you will, in order to make it something that someone wants to watch. And so they did work with me to have a little bit more uh, personality, maybe is the right word. But they were definitely hands off in terms of, and I appreciate this so much uh, with it being my first time and not really knowing much about the TV industry. I've since learned that I had a really awesome experience, but they, they really just wanted me to be myself. And I really, really appreciate that. The producers, Joel, uh, the main executive producer, Joel, he was the executive producer behind um, The Biggest Loser, which was a show about folks losing weight. So similar to going from broke, losing debt. And with the first show that he did, Biggest Loser, it was such a cultural moment with that show in terms of shifting the narrative around people who carry extra weight are somehow bad people. The show shone a light on the psychological side of weight gain. And that was something that he was bringing to, that we, in agreement, were bringing to the financial world. We we're hoping to bring that um, through this show, that there, it's more than just overspending or running up credit cards. It does, a, it doesn't make this person a bad person, 
But it's also not just a matter of cold turkey to just stop spending. There's a lot more to the conversation. And, um, and they were really great about allowing me to explore that um, with the guests. Some of it, a lot of it's off camera, but some of it we did get to include in the show as well. That's what I'm talking about. Um, uh, what I would like to dive into um, here on Diversify Game, um, with every guest that we do have have on, we like to peel the layers back, like really get into the psychosis and the psychology of our guests. And um, one thing we do like to ask, um, with everything that you do have going on, uh, are there any uh, charitable causes or anything uh, community involved that really touch your heart? Yes, I am incredibly passionate about eradicating wealth inequality. That's a big, big task. And for me, the, the area that I focus on is young children. That was where I was first introduced to entrepreneurship. I took an eighth grade class um, that helped me write a business plan and then presented to bankers. And that's where I really learned, wow, being a business owner is a path to freedom. I can control my schedule. I just have to be passionate and someone's going to pay me for my passions. And so I work with, um, in fact, next Friday, I go into a school in Hayward. Hayward is a small town um, just outside Oakland, similar to Oakland, though, in terms of demographics. And, and I'll go into classrooms next Friday. I'm there all day teaching entrepreneurship to the ninth grade class. And so those are the ways that I love to, to give back. Um, and a, money is great too. Giving money is also amazing. Um, but in terms of actually being in person, connecting with individuals, that's the way I love to give back. Awesome. I know what the audience is asking now that you got into the youth. So how can you teach my baby? Don't worry, folks. We're going to, we'll do a follow-up. Um, I actually have a book series that I do called LondonandSydney.com, and it's based on my daughter's real life travels. And we write books and do things on that. That's where I see the 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 the, the you traveling as a little girl, that six year old writing the poem and thinking about money, and 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 that could last forever until you get old enough to drink the mimosas, depending on when the first time you had one. Um, that's a book in itself, but I see it and we're going to push her folks. Cause I hear you saying, how does she teach me? Where can I buy the course? Where can I buy the book? You'll have to stay connected, subscribed and follow the But do you have plans? And that will be our wrap up question, uh, at least for the audience. Do you have plans for a book, for coursework, anything for 2020 and beyond that they can grab right now? I do not have plans for 2020 around releasing a book or program that may be in the future. This year, I have a small team uh, for my company, and our focus is creating quality, quality content and building community. That is our number one focus is to really own this space, um, which I call financial education. We're building a multimedia platform where your listeners can get this information. And once we really create community and really hear where the gaps are, then we'll use that information to, to perhaps, for me to perhaps write a book or to create a program. But this year, the focus is to really dial into 
who our readers are and what they're what they need. Well, folks, you've heard it. You've been blessed. You've got enough game to like, subscribe, and share it. Talk about it. And let's build because everybody, I don't care who you are listening to this, needs help or you want to make more money, make more businesses. Nobody has, even Bill Gates, if he's listening and saying, wow, really? Okay, maybe I need to call her. She, she loves Seattle. Okay, come on through. Let's do some philanthropy. You guys have got the game. Thank you so much for being a guest. We are going to chat offline, but everyone, you got the game. Y'all be blessed. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thanks for getting in the game and listening to the Diversified Game Podcast with Kellen, Tyson, and AL. The number one show pairing entrepreneurship with diverse and inclusive perspectives like wine and cheese, bagel and locks, fish and grits. Be sure to visit diversifiedgame.com for all the good stuff. Join in the conversation and discover more content.